Welcome, you're listening to Mouse Bandit, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox. And I'm Kyle Skinner. And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. All right, Kyle, we're back. We're back in the parks. We got a little technical last week, so we might be in for another long one here. We might be, but it's. I honestly, I love talking about this stuff. I love talking about the parks. I love talking about attraction history, and I love talking about the wide variety of attractions at these parks. And the very essence of that is experience. And the one with the most experience we're bringing back is Marissa. Marissa, how are you doing? I am doing so well. How are you guys doing? You know, I'm ready to learn a little bit more about some of the rides that we definitely haven't experienced. The ones that are in Paris, the ones that are in Tokyo, the ones that are in Hong Kong that you've definitely experienced and can bring to the table this week. Yeah, um, I'm super excited. Um, there were some rides that we didn't really dive into just because there were some that were there were some brackets that were like, oh, yeah, we're just going to pass by this at all. So um, I'm excited that we get to dive in a little deeper to the Disney realm of different rides that we get to talk about. Before we dive in, we got a life preserver. You need to help us out. We're talking a spoonful of sugar. Kyle, what do you got this week? I'm back. I'm, I had such a good time chilling, sipping on this beer last episode that I'm doing it again. It's the San Francisco from Anchor Brewing in San Francisco, and it's juicy, and it's you know, we're at the end of summer entering fall, and I feel like after the harsh hazies I've been drinking all summer long, this is a nice transition into maybe some of the darker, you know, ambers that I might be drinking during the fall and winter years, so, uh, or months. So, yeah, I going back to an old favorite and enjoying it a lot. Chris, what are you drinking this week? Last week, I mentioned that I stopped at Ballast Point for a Swingin' Fryer Ale. While I was at Ballast Point, had to get a San Diego classic, the Grapefruit Sculpin. Mm-hmm. It is iconic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm learning a whole lot about myself because I keep saying on this podcast, I don't like beer. I'm not a beer guy. But I come home and I'm drinking all these beers. And, like, maybe I just haven't found my New York beer yet. Maybe I just got to yeah. drink more beers so yep. I can find some of that good stuff. <laughs> Marissa, what do you got today? Um, I brought back the same drink that I drank last week. It's called the 54321. Um, just as a reminder, it's Captain Morgan, Blue Curacao, uh, simple syrup, fresh lime juice, and then tropical juice blend. Um, I basically just grabbed the juices that I had in my fridge. Um, we went, we had L&L barbecue, so grabbed a couple Hawaiian drinks, threw that in there, mixed it all up. Um, it, I like this menu too, um, from the parks just because it is an homage to the DCA history of roller coasters and the 54321, it's still in Incredicoaster, even though it was technically from the California Screaming Roller Coaster, but I like that name so much that I had to make it again. 
And that's a great segue into our discussion because what we talked about last week is we we moved on roller coasters pretty easily and they're one of the top seeds in this bracket here. So let's discuss who we've got left in our Elite Eight matchups. On one side of the bracket, it's the number one dark ride versus number nine transport attractions, which is going to be a great discussion, I can already tell. Uh, Right down the bracket from that, it's number 13, Spinner, versus number 12, Drop Tower. Crossing the bracket on the other side, it's number two, Boat Ride, versus the number 10, River Rapids. And rounding out our Elite Eight is the number three, Roller Coasters, versus the number six, Omnimovers. You know, uh, we had quite a long episode last time. I don't think we should waste any time. I feel like this discussion is going to get into the weeds and I love it. So let's go ahead and talk about the number one versus number nine. It's dark ride versus transport. Uh, dark ride is the DNA of Disney parks guys. Like in my mind, it's kind of what sets it apart from the typical pier side attractions or the, the traveling County fairs or even six flags for that. You know, I mean, six flags doesn't do dark rides cause that's not what they're about. They're, they're the thrill parks. They're the, uh, ones that are for the daredevils they're always the the fastest the biggest the biggest loop they're doing they're trying to hit all of those marks that's not what disney really is all about they have that for some folks but it's not what they aim to do dark rides is really where it's at they're from they're an entertainment company that is based in movie production from its very foundation and within the movie foundation was the want to create special effects that were believable in that medium. So they were able to take that kind of philosophy of, you know, we're going to make this seem as realistic as possible in this artistic form that is animation. We're going to apply it to real life experiences. We're going to put you into these movies and we're going to provide these special effects that are more than just a skeleton popping out at you. Now, that might have been the effects in the original, you know, 1955 dark rides that were in Fantasyland. I I doubt that they were very intricate. I'm sure uh, when you kind of watch like the Imagineering story and you watch any sort of like early Disneyland history documentary or read any of the books, they're always talking about how they kind of scrambled to get these dark rides made. A lot of them were just 2D boards painted with neon paint so that it looked more lifelike or at least eye-catching popping out at you. So the effects were minimal, but they were still more than what anybody has seen. And that still rings true today. Now they're not creating just these traditional dark rides. We talked about, you know, the trackless dark rides, which is really where they're starting to transition into, where it's these huge experiences and these huge showrooms that involve walk through into meet and greet into trackless cars um, to really take you to a place that you've never been. But as essence, it all comes from these dark rides. And I think that's fantastic. I, I love dark rides a lot. It's tough when it's going up against transport rides though, because also at the very foundation of Disney parks are trains and Walt loved trains. I've, I always denounce the whole like, what would Walt do? Well, what would Walt do? What would Walt, Walt want to see? I hate that so much. But like at the end of the day, he did create these parks and they all have a commonality, all except for one, right? 
Marissa of the Castle Parks, isn't there one that doesn't have a train that goes all the way around it? Shanghai, I want to say. It's Shanghai. Yeah, it's Shanghai. So almost all of them have a railroad around it. That And that's the first thing you see. You get out of your car, you transported yourself to the park, and the first thing you see is a train. And then within the park itself, you have monorails, you have, or even out of the park in some cases, uh, you have monorails, you have gondolas, you have sky buckets, you have people movers, you have other variations of trains to get you from one place to another. You got Heimlich's choo-choo. There's all kinds of different transport attractions and they add to what I brought up last episode, which is this kinetic energy that there's life in the parks and the transport vehicles do that. Not only because do they transport mass amounts of people that are alive and assumedly moving and adds to the kind of fullness of the park. But when these trains and these devices and these mechanisms are all moving at once, it just is so inviting because you just want to see what's happening. Something's happening there. And it's inviting and it adds to the entire ambiance. We're getting to a point where when you think about, you know, like what what am I going to be attracted to? Which attraction am I going to these parks that I either need to go on, that I go on multiple times, or that I have a, a much greater appreciation for. For me, I think I'm I'm gonna side with the higher seed here, Chris. I'm I'm gonna go with dark rides, and it's not to you know denounce what transport attractions do because I think they're fantastic, but it's I I personally use them, which I brought up last time, to slow down, appreciate more see things but it's also kind of a break off my feet and i i i do it when i'm very tired i hop on to kind of do something when i that i don't have to stand in line for it's kind of a cop out for me i think that without them the park would be completely different but same with dark rides uh so it's not anything against transport it's just that dark rides are more valuable to me i'm gonna go with dark rides I've been holding this in for a whole week now. Let it out, baby. I, I still feel really bad about how you guys just totally dismissed water parks. And here's what I'm going to point <laughs> to. We're talking about transportation. And Disney's Blizzard Beach has two <laughs> of the greatest transport rides in any Disney park. It's got a chairlift. Straight up chairlift like you get on a ski resort Hmm. not only is it fun it has utility because it gets you up to the top where you get on summit plummet you don't have to walk up all the steps Uh, to get there but even better let's talk about lazy rivers people lazy rivers take the most angry person in the entire world put him in a lazy river your worries just melt away man Lazy rivers or transport attractions to you? <laughs> Absolutely, because the enjoyment is in the actual tr- act of tra- being transported. <laughs> okay. Come on. Are you kidding me? That's easy. What are <laughs> I you mean, talking about? I mean, it's... What else would it be? It's not a slide. There's no slide. Flume. Transport. And here's the best part about lazy rivers is 
not only are they like a ride, you just ride around in a circle, but you can use the different entry and exit points on the lazy river to get around the park hmm. in a more enjoyable way. Maybe your feet don't get burnt when you're walking on the hot concrete in the Florida sun. Sure. You just hop in that lazy river and just cruise down river for a few minutes and hop out. Next thing yeah. you know, you're eating lunch and chicken <laughs> tendies. Little chicken tendies. I will die for a lazy river. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. Even though Marissa dislocated her finger on a lazy river, but yeah. um, go ahead and not talk about that again. <laughs> We've also got Storybook Land, which is another great transportation ride. Okay, but is that the act? Is the enjoyment being transported from point A to point B? Or is the enjoyment like the storytelling aspect of the narration of the narrator as you go along? Because I think that like the monorail, the fun is being transported from A to B to C to D, but I don't find enjoyment in the voiceover. You know, I think the enjoyment comes straight. So explain to me how the storybook canal boat is a transport and not just a boat ride. Because you are being transported to storybook land. <laughs> How much easier does it get? Like you're being transported. You're in storybook land and you're just getting around just like you would any other transport type in like the real world. Also, the boats are self-propelled. They have their own motors. Not like they're on a track or anything like that. So in, they have, they have to be... They have to. Oh, well, they might be on a track, but right. Like so then the gas. So then, they're not being propelled at least. So then, Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise is another transport attraction. All right, <laughs> you are being transported through the jungle, and you are on a tour. Oh my god! Jungle Cruise is like the best of everything. All right, that ride. It's got some transport oh, in it. It's got some dark ride in it. It's got some theater in it. With the skipper. It's got a little bit of a boat ride because so you're on a boat. Winnie the Pooh, are you being Winnie the Pooh? Your tra- is transport because you're being transported into his acid dream. Absolutely. <laughs> I hate this category <laughs> so much. Kyle, I'm going to use your own argument against you <laughs> because last week you talked about River Rapids. And how it creates a shared experience when you're staring dead into the soul, seeing the fear in another person's eyes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because you are not fully immersed in another world when you're on a transport ride, it creates opportunity for those types of moments to happen during your day at Disneyland. So, like, you know... You're on the Mark Twain. Yeah. And you're standing on the rail, going around the River of America, seeing the New Orleans Square waterfront, and you're waving at people. Maybe there's like a funny guy waving back to you and he does a little dance or something. <laughs> like, this is you interacting with the space around you in an organic way that is not constructed for you. Okay. It's an opportunity to create memories with your Disneyland party as well as other guests in the park. I mean, I really would die for transport rides. I think I think you make a lot of great points about the dark ride being important for the history, but transport rides don't miss. There's no transport ride where you go, mm, 
that that ride has no place in a Disney park. Dark rides, like, I mean, there's ones at the top, like Indiana Jones, Radiator Springs, Test Track. But then you got, like, your Monsters, Inks. You got your Roger Rabbits. Even, like, your Mr. Toads, they're just kind of, like, okay, you know? Hmm. I think the transportation ride roster is so, so deep. I would ride any one of them in a heartbeat. Even Rocket Rods, which is sneaky when it's operating fun <laughs> former transport ride. I'm going transport rides. Marissa, this one's going over to you. Um, I don't agree that Storybook Land and Jungle Cruise are transport rides. But that's beside the point. Um, I enjoy transport rides. They I had I in the past I'd say maybe like five-ish years or so, I created a new rule for myself that if I'm ever meeting one of my friends at the parks that don't usually get to go to the parks as often, so like if they're not from California, I always tell them, this is your Disneyland experience, this is not mine. I will go on whatever you want. Like, I I don't care. Like, I can come here tomorrow if I want to. I can come here next week, whatever it may be. And that has always been a rule for me for the past five-ish years. But then there is this one time, especially when you guys were talking about the transport ride and the dark ride and everything like that, this one time that one of my friends from Sweden, this was his, this was her first time going to Disneyland. And then I was telling my parents, like, oh, yeah, like, we're going to Disneyland and I'm taking her there for the first time with her friend. And they always said, you have to take her on these rides. Like the train, take them around. They have to do it. That was the iconic Disney just ride, right? Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> that was the only time that transport rides won over dark rides. Every single other time that my friends from like Texas, from Hawaii, wherever, Idaho, Colorado, wherever they were coming from, they always wanted to go on dark rides and not transport rides. So as much as I have an appreciation for transport rides, I think dark rides are better and I'm moving dark rides on past transport rides in this round. Sad, sad boy. It's me, it's me, it's me, the sad, saddest boy who ever lived. All right, it is what it is. All right, let's move on to the next matchup. It is the number thirteen spinners versus the number twelve drop towers. Drop tower is not a super deep roster. You've got your Tower of Terrors and your Guardians of the Galaxies. You've got your Jumping Jellyfish, which got a lot of love. Last week, <laughs> you've got your defunct Malaboomer. Are there any other that we can think of? Um, in Paris, um, there's an equivalent to uh, jumping jellies. I can't remember what okay. it's called. It's the um the green army men parachute. Oh, mm. um, okay. it's right next to 
their Tower of Terror, I believe. And I think there's uh, one in Disney Sea in Ariel's Grotto. Yeah. That was like a little kid's one that's in yeah. their little like station thing. Yeah. So there's a couple. I don't know if this really counts. It's kind of having that dropping effect. Um, it's the race car um, ride. It's very much like a carnival ride where race car goes up in the U. I don't mm. really know if that counts as oh, the drop tower. That, that is a roller coaster. Is that a roller coaster? I couldn't yeah. find Like, I tried to look it up. I was like, honestly, I don't know what that is. <laughs> that is called an Intamin half pipe? Something like that. Yeah, that's a, a I don't roller know. coaster, believe it or not. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Um, Learn something new. But yeah, RC car. There's like an RC car one. Yeah, there's. Yeah. they're both. I don't know. I haven't been to the Toy Story Land in Florida, but the Toy Story Land in both Hong Kong and Shanghai both have that. Spinners, we've got our Dumbos, got our carousels, our teacups, our Aladdin carpets, which we didn't really talk about yep. last week at Adventureland in Florida. We've got mm. our Inside Out Emotional Whirlwind, formerly Flix Flyers. We've got our Silly Symphony Swings, formerly Giant Oranges, our Golden Zephyrs, which are silver. Yeah. Don't know what that's about. Our Astro Orbiters, Triceratops Spins, um, the new Mary Poppins attraction that kind of got like canceled indefinitely. Yeah. There were a lot of rumors that that was going to be a spinner, like a crazy interactive like 3D screen spinner. Huh. Bunch of crazy stuff. I saw some of the like patents that were going around that people thought maybe it might incorporate. Looks wild. Um, it, it's tough because there's just so many more spinners and they're so much more important to like Disneyland and, and the enjoyment of your average guest. Love the airtime you get on drop towers. I personally enjoy them a lot more. Kyle, I like the argument you made about the spinners providing a lot of kinetic energy to the lands. Uh, do I want to go on a spinner more than I want to go on a drop tower? Probably not. But if we're talking about best Disney parks attraction types, I think I have spinner over drop tower just because there's more of them. And because I think once you factor into the number of spinners, probably more people enjoy them than drop towers yeah i think that spinners just overall are a little bit more important than drop towers to disney parks i think that drop towers are great but exterior wise they're usually just facades um and unless you talk about like the Malaboomers and the jumpy jellyfish and you know those types of rides but when you think about tower and you think about gardens of the galaxy it's you don't see what's going on on the inside, which is part of that ride experience. But these spinners are also so well themed that like, for example, uh, freaking toe, toe Mater's uh, Junkyard Jamboree. Like it looks like it's taking place like in a junkyard. Like you walk by and it's not just one of those twister rides. It looks like that's a yard like that could be a place in cars land and 
the i mean we've raved on and on about the teacups and the ambiance that that presents you know for that part of fantasy land even dumbo has a fountain like they're not just these carnival spinners there's a lot more to them that you know spruce them up and add value to where they are in the park um so i think i think you're right and i think that not only do more people get enjoyment out of them, but they're also a sh they also can provide a shared experience, and I'm big on those in this bracket. You think about teacups and like how much fun you have sitting across from your friends, your loved ones, and spinning and laughing and having those moments, taking your Instagram photo that everyone wants to post. You know, like it's a shared experience, and those are important parts of Disneyland uh, attendances you know, making memories. So I'm with you. I'm going spinners. Marissa, any last words for our friends at Tower of Terrors across the world? Um, as a fellow Tower of Terror lover, lover ride or die, um, I completely agree with, with what um, both of you had to say, um, especially carousels. Like when you think yeah. of the Fantasyland carousel that's just an og mm -hmm. like that's right and it's just such like a good backdrop of the back of the castle when you run through that's the first thing you see if you're going just straight from the center point of main street all the way down that is technically the first thing that you can run to besides the castle like straight so and that's also kind of ish where the center of the park is if we're talking in respects of Disneyland. So there are some spinner rides that I don't enjoy, but then there's some spinner rides that I have to go on. And going back to my last argument of go doing my rule of, hey, like this is your Disney experience and I'm just here along for the ride and giving you guidance of, hey, this is this way. Maybe you should go on this line instead of that line. Um, spinners are up there. Um, Tower of Terror, I know a ton of people who are also afraid of drop <laughs> tower rides versus spinner rides. Um, so, yeah, I'm fine with spinner rides moving on and drop towers will always be in my heart, but, you know, never forgotten. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit on the other side of the bracket about number two boat rides versus number 10 river rapids. We got a couple water rides that we're going to be breaking down here. Didn't get to talk about boat rides last time, and I know how everybody loves my little historical back facts, so I'm going to go ahead and talk about it here. I mentioned that things are just better on a boat last episode, and I truly b believe that, and that's actually a mantra that uh, another podcast I listened to did an entire episode about, is how much better experiences in the parks are when they're on a boat, which is just breaking down boat rides. Um and I agree. I love boat rides. Um, there's a lot of crossover on boat rides in Disney. Like this, boat rides are the the main circle of the Venn diagram. And there's, you know, your rapids in there. It's your dark rides in there. There's a ton that fall in there. So I'm, I'm really talking about not flume. I'm not talking about. <laughs> I am talking about storybook, even though you consider it transport, but I guess it can be both if we really want it to be. Um, I'm talking small world. I'm talking pirates, um, pirates across, across parks. Um, 
which you could argue are also dark reds because they do use artificial light in a way that uh, you can't do use the sun for. I'm talking about imagine nerding. My boy's back with some facts, and I'm here to regurgitate them for you all. These are believed to have started just like how dark rides first got their start, which were tunnel of love boat rides, but the the way the boats were propelled were by mills. So they were called old mill rides because a mill would be churning the water to create a current to push these boats. So you see that still. You I mean you see like artificial mills that don't do anything that kind of pay homage to that so like you talk about grizzly which is supposed to be on a side of a mountain and there's a mill at the bottom with a big churning wheel it's kind of saying like you know you're getting cranked back up you're the water is being pushed because of this that's how rides were uh back in the day i really like boat rides because they take dark rides to another level. It's that kind of sense of like, if dark rides are trying to transport you into another world, boat rides are trying to transport you into another realm. For the most part, like in my life, I don't, I have not spent a ton of time on boats in general. I was not the kid that grew up going to lakes. My family didn't own a boat. People around me didn't own boats. So Going on a, a boat ride is an extra experience on top of this dark ride experience that already is there. Specifically for me, it gives, I brought this up with the track list, it gives this kind of sense that you're not in control, that you can't see the track in front of you. Uh, in some of the older boat rides, like the OG Small World, the room's not flooded, so you're just in this raised flume that you can see the walls for so of course you know where you're going but those boys don't have brakes and you know they don't have brakes because you'll be bumping you'll be bumping and same in pirates so like the sense of just kind of like you're floating along and the feeling that nothing is really pushing you except for the current of the waters is fun and it's immersive and it adds to the experience of the attraction itself as opposed to if it was on a cart that you were just kind of going through or even on an Omnimover, to be honest. Haunted Mansion at one point was going to have, uh, was going to be a boat ride. They axed that and I think it was for the better because they did want to direct people to scenes. But can you imagine? Like that would actually be terrifying because you... you in your mind, you're just floating along. You can't make that boat go any faster if you're trying to get out of a room. It just adds to it. River Rapids, uh, I praised its experience uh, factor that it comes with and just, you know, the shared fun that it, you can have with other people. You see the fear in the eye. You, you have a connection, uh, a before death moment with everybody in your traveling tube. But it's, I'm going to have to fault it at the fact that you have to walk around uncomfortable for the rest of the day. And, and that's part of the attraction is getting absolutely soaked. And I'll tell you on these like rapid rides, they make sure to get your socks and shoes wet. Unlike Splash where you can kind of hide them, there's no hiding in these stupid river rapid rides. You're forever just walking around in soggy socks. And that's one of the most uncomfortable feelings in the world.
I'll say it. Most uncomfortable feeling in the world is having wet socks on. So I uh, I think that here I'm going to once again kind of just side with the, the higher seed. Uh, it's a more enjoyable experience. I feel a little bit more immersed. Rapids are fantastic thrill rides with great experience sharing, but the outcome is often uncomfortable. And so unless it's the end of the day for me, I'm probably not going to hit it. I'm going with boat rides. You've telling me you've never been a WAP, a wet ass park guest on Pirates of the Caribbean. You've never got your socks wet after yeah. you went down that little drop with skeleton guy? Wet, but probably not wet. You've never had a wet. I, I almost only get a wet on Pirates of the Caribbean. It's Just that usually- one little stream of water that goes right underneath your ass. <laughs> And then you just no, that seems to be a one-off experience because that's not me. Okay, it dries quicker. <laughs> sure, sure. And uh, when you go onto a river rapid, it, you get the back too, so it's not just your butt; it's also your back, my neck, my back. <laughs> oh no! So. The thing that's interesting about the boat ride is just how diverse this roster is. I mean, you've got ones that have mm-hmm. more thrilling elements like Pirates of the Caribbean, Frozen Ever After, one with a little, a couple of solid little thrill elements to it. You get a little backwards launch. You get a little mini drop. You've also got some slower paced ones like Navi River Journey at Animal Kingdom, uh, as well as Living with the Land, which is like... <laughs> One that seems super boring, but like every Epcot fan knows that that ride is a sleeper. It's just like 10 solid minutes of talking about sustainability and super fun. Uh, The thing to me that is really impressive about the boat ride is how efficient it is. Mm -hmm. It is just every single one of these boat rides just is a people eating attraction. It gets people through the ride quick massive hourly throughput it gets the people going i mean when the average person comes and goes after a day at disneyland they've probably been on pirates they've probably been on it's a small world they've probably hit those two and then every everything else is kind of like it, it maybe varies so uh, these are really important rides the rides that are intended that everyone goes on them so you know, just like we like that spinners are, are very accessible attractions. I like that boat rides are very accessible attractions. I mean, the 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 River Rapid ride, I think, probably intimidates, might scare people away. Boat rides, I mean, everyone loves those. So easy advance for me here. Uh, I think the River Rapid is a sleeper, but definitely, definitely boat ride. Marissa, thoughts on boat rides? Um, I was going to say this last round but I'm going to say it this round. Not only is Pirates at Disneyland Elite, but then you go to Shanghai Disneyland and Battle for the Sunken Treasure. And I know I said this last week that in the U.S., my favorite ride out of everything is Tower of Terror. But out of the entire world, Battle for the Sunken Treasure is my favorite ride out of all the Disney parks. Um, you had mentioned Frozen Ever After and how it has the thrill elements of going backwards when you go to Elsa's castle and then you just go backwards. Take that ride 
but take Pirates. And y'all know that I'm a big Pirates fan, <laughs> along with Kyle. So when you bring the elements of the Pirates at Disneyland and then take it up like 20 bajillion notches and add yeah. elements to it, it was incredible. I didn't, like I said, I'm not a person that looks up anything. I just kind of know the general realm of you need to go on this ride. I rode that ride three times in maybe an hour. It wow. was crazy. And I went with my immediate family. So my mom, my brother, and my dad. Mom couldn't go on it. Or she went on it once. She couldn't, She can't go backwards. So my she dad didn't go was going jumping like, jellyfish. But she can go on jumping jellyfish, but she can't go backwards. Don't sleep on jumping jellyfish, basically. But the story of everything and kind of another um, element that I've talked about is even though it's in a different language, I know exactly what's going on Hmm. because of the connection I already have with all the pirate stories and the different elements that they bring into this ride is incredible. I've never seen anything like it. You are literally a pirate ship in this realm of pirate world. You go underwater. You are with the other pirates that are down at the bottom of the sea. You are with the Kraken. You get a little splash, but not like River Rapids where it's uncomfortable, (laughs) but still enough to where you feel that. But that ride is the goat. All right. Well, boat rides, it is moving to the final four. Let's see who it's going to go up against. Our final Elite Eight matchup is the number three seed Roller Coasters versus number six Omni Mover. Now, again, let's talk about efficiency. I really, really admire how efficient the Omni Mover is. The ride is always moving. People are always coming on. People are always coming off. So those wait times are going to be a little bit shorter. They're going to be a lot less frustrating even when they are long because that line is going to be moving very, very quickly. Almost more impressive, though, is the way that Disney has made their roller coasters just as efficient. Yeah. And traditionally, roller coasters are very inefficient and their load times, and their operations. I won't get into all the specifics on like block sections and how block breaks work, but it is a safety issue to have too many roller coaster trains on the track at the same time. That's why they don't just like send them out one after another, because if one of them valleys or something, then you have a roller coaster accident. So... Space Mountain is like a, a technological marvel. Yeah. The way that it is so expertly coordinated, entirely operated by computer to make sure all of those ride vehicles are hitting those block sections right on time. It's and insane. you have those rockets going out one after another, having those safety checks. And uh, it's just it's just impressive. I mean, it's a roller coaster that eats people. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, You've also got uh, heavily themed attractions, every single one of them. Space Mountains, very obvious. Big Thunder Mountain, Matterhorn. You've got a couple of top-tier audio animatronics there. Mm -hmm. Expedition Everest, one that unfortunately is not as good as it was when it premiered because the Yeti animatronic no longer functions as it's supposed to because it was so massive and groundbreaking at the time, literally. Um, 
<laughs> so that's kind of unfortunate. But, uh, you know, you also look ahead to things like the Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind attraction, the Tron Life Cycles attraction that already exists overseas, but it's coming to uh, Magic Kingdom. Slinky Dog. Slinky Dog Dash. <laughs> Multi-launch coaster. I mean, these are thrilling roller coasters with extensive theming. Seven Dwarves Mine Train. I mean, I'm a huge roller coaster guy. You can talk to even the most curmudgeon of roller coaster enthusiasts, and they have to keep tip their caps to the Disney coasters. They might not offer the biggest thrills, but uh, the level of theming is incomparable. Yeah. Even to the other top-tier amusement park chains in the world. I mean, even Universal can't really do it as good as Disney does it. For that alone, I, I have to give it the advance over Omnimovers here. Wow. Wow. All right. History class with Kyle, because I didn't get to do it last time. Here we go. So roller coasters. First off, I want to ask you two, what was the very first roller coaster you ever went on? The ro- first roller coaster I ever went on? Yeah. Or the first roller coaster ever built? No, that you, that you ever went on. Oh, okay. Um, it's that roller coaster in Toontown. <laughs> Gadgets, Gadgets Go, Go coaster? coaster? That one. Trash. Trash. <laughs> Um, don't sleep on it. I went on it with my niece. That thing's fast. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I don't, it's so hard because like I grew up going to Six Flags. Okay. I, I, I don't really 100% remember. Um, I remember going on Ninja at Magic Mountain and I remember going on the Demon at Six Flags Great America, which is a arrow looper yeah uh chris much like how you were a scared boy at indiana jones i was a scared boy when it came to roller coasters growing up not a fan hated them i was terrified of them um the first roller coaster that i went on was we're going back to santa cruz beach boardwalk it was the the giant dipper that they had there and i bring that up because the giant dipper is considered like a historical landmark now in Santa Cruz, and it's because it comes from a very historic line of roller coasters, from dating to the very beginning of roller coasters. Uh, roller coasters, of course, started in Russia as ice slides, because of course, because it's Russia. Um, in the uh, 19th century, we get some railroad tracks, and that's where we start figuring out that we can go fast. We can go fast, and that's all we want to do as humans is go fast and so uh the first like roller coaster was actually a mine track that was converted into the modern day kind of coaster and this was in 1872 in pennsylvania you would not catch me on 1872 marketed roller coaster made out of an old mine track anytime soon that sounds dangerous and irresponsible to be honest then I'll hit that like, up after I ride the log flume that is an actual <laughs> yeah. log flume. If you survive the log flume uh, with the lumberjacks, then go over to the coal miners mine train and see how you fare with that one. Coney Island. There, uh, this uh, Chris brought it up last time. People need to go watch the defunct land on Coney Island because, gosh, it's just this absurd story about this amusement park. Uh, and many amusement parks built over there. But Coney Island had a uh, what they kind of build as a switchback railway. So it was really just this kind of 
flat but hilly train that would go faster than you know the normal kind of railroad at a park would go uh, and ha- added a little thrill with some ups and downs and that's where the the modern roller coaster really kind of took off that kind of scenic railway made its way to the west coast and that's where the giant dipper becomes a landmark because it was originally a scenic railway um these are all wooden roller coasters uh this was the one in uh california at santa cruz was built in 1908 it was built from the ashes of the scenic railway so they built a roller coaster the giant dipper in 1924 this roller coaster has been featured in movies uh such as the lost boys it's a very famous roller coaster and it's fun it's a wooden roller coaster that is very reminiscent of well then credit coaster is very reminiscent of the giant dipper it kind of has the same aesthetic appeal brings us to 1959 everybody disneyland does it they say we see your wooden roller coaster here's some steel we're going to turn them into tubes and we're going to stick them in the middle of a mountain suck it said walt disney i'm pretty sure that's one of his quotes the matterhorn like talk about a, a an attraction that has stood the test of time and has lived through many advancements in technology while providing basically the same experience just with new you know show scenes now before i couldn't even imagine before when you would just ride through like the shell of a mountain and it's just tracks everywhere that would actually be scarier than what it is now i'm way more afraid of that than encountering a yeti these (laughs) disney coasters are just built different man they're they're theme first thrill second and the thrill second doesn't mean the thrills aren't there and that's what's so great. And you brought it up that like roller coaster enthusiasts will at least give props to Disney roller coasters. They're never going to, you know, discount them as like those aren't real roller coasters because they are. They're just telling an actual story along with it. Sometimes they're not as obvious. You don't really know the full, you know, story behind why Big Thunder is a runaway train. But you get it. You know, you're on a runaway train. And things are going crazy. Marissa brought up Gadget's Go Coaster. Really silly, small roller coaster that is also extremely themed and works for what it was. No kid knows who the rescue rangers are anymore, but it made a lot of sense in the 90s. Ton of sense in the 90s. Omnimovers are also quintessential Disney, mostly because Disney created them. Our boys, Roger Brogy. And Burt Brundage, they worked at WED. It's now what Imagineering is for folks that didn't know that. Uh, they needed to build a Omnimover system for Ford for the 1964 World's Fair in New York. And before it was kind of what we know of the Omnimover as these very small, close together people eater attractions where it's these little pods that you sit in. They were full on like Ford Mustangs that were on a conveyor belt and that's the key the conveyor belt plus the fixed uh the fixed like vehicle that is programmed to move certain ways so it's not like astro blasters where you can like swivel even though it's on a conveyor belt but these are programmed to turn you in specific orientations in order to see specific scenes and it's all an innovation created by disney 
It's also known as the endless transit system because it really, really true, truly feels like it never ends because it's on a loop. The first one at Disneyland was uh, the adventure through inner space in Tomorrowland uh, right before they implemented the Haunted Mansion. So, you know, this this system's also used at the Seas with Nemo and Friends at Epcot, the Ant-Man ride at Hong Kong, which is just Astro Blasters changed, uh, Ariel's little, uh, her undersea adventure at DCA, and the Magic Kingdom, and then, of course, Haunted Mansion. So it's still a staple, but it's... And don't forget Spaceship Earth at Epcot, which tells the history of white people. Yes, and Spaceship Earth. Uh, and Phantom Manor in Paris. Right. Yep. So it's still widely used. It's definitely, this is like the, what's going to give way to trackless, right? Like Omnimovers were the big innovation in the theme park game. We know things can run on tracks, but how, but can we fit in thousands of people per hour and run them through and all share, have the same experience and not feel like they missed out on anything, Omnimovers. Now it's like, we don't want them to have the same experience as everybody else, trackless. <laughs> and it's, and we're changing kind of philosophies here, which is how the how things should work, to be honest. So I, as like, as iconic as Omnimovers are, what Disney coasters do so well is take the essence of Disney immersion, apply them to what people love about theme parks, which are thrill rides, pair them together to make this kind of perfect attraction for folks. I'm moving roller coasters on as well. Uh, Marissa, your thoughts. Um, I also had roller coasters moving on over Omnimover. Um, honestly, my favorite Omnimover is Phantom Manor in Disneyland Paris. Hmm. Um, I just remember this was the first time that I was able to drink at a Disney-like park. So yeah. I just remember getting a beer. I was like, okay, I'm going to get a beer. I need a drink. Middle of the day, it was really hot. And then I was like, oh, shoot, I need to go on Phantom Manor. So I just chug my beer my friend records it. I put it on my Snapchat. But also, I didn't have Wi-Fi. So all my Snapchats just came all at once when I finally got Wi-Fi back at the hotel. But Phantom Manor also has a very different story that a lot of people don't know about it. Um, just so I save time and we can move on to the um, next round. Um, look up Phantom Manor and the story behind it. It's very different, very unique. Um, just a very different twist on what the other Omnimover slash Haunted Mansion story is. It's a, it's a little different. So just check it out if you'd like. It's a very interesting story. Love the plug. All right, let's move on. We have our final four. Chris, we have a one, two, three in the final four. This is, uh, I, this is what happens when some of these heavy hitters have so many attractions that fall within them, I think. And, and the way that we surveyed, you know, took favorite attractions and then put them into buckets and those buckets are showing up here. So I'll talk about the first final four round here. Number one, dark ride versus number 13 spinner. 
it's crazy how much like kinetic energy actually matters in the grand scheme of things and how you know dark rides are great but people need to experience them in order to be drawn to them you're standing at like the facade of peter pan and it's this old like village house and if we didn't know the hype like how many would there be hype you know like people it's all about word of mouth while things like teacups and things like dumbo have lasted for so long because people see them their eyes are drawn to them they want to go be a part of that kind of outward experience of you know you're you're part of the show at that point you're on display for everyone that walks by you're ha you're you're able to see others having fun on these rides with dark rides you see them leave and then come back and really base your experience off of like what are their faces like when they arrive back into the unload you know that's like very evident in rides like roger rabbit you know how did they spin too fast in Roger Rabbit? You can tell when they come around that corner. For me, a lot about like what makes a Disneyland attraction so great or Disney Parks attraction so great is what it creates around it. Fantasyland dark rides are amazing because the village that they all reside in is fantastic. Haven't been to Galaxy's Edge. What I've seen about it is that it's incredibly immersive and, you know, Rise probably fits in very well with where it is it's you can't see it but you know the entrance is there and it probably is semi-hidden quote air quotes entrance because it's supposed to be right and so but when you have riot or attractions like teacups you know where they've taken a very small footprint and just made it their own experience with the lanterns and with the music and with the vines and with the colored teacups, even Dumbo with the water, Tomater's stupidity with the with the corral. You know, they these are all things that, and we we can discount Golden Zephyr because who the hell knows what's going on with that thing? Um, even the swings make sense somehow. You know, like especially where they're positioned. You see that happening, and you're like, I need to go to that. You walk up to Monsters Inc. Whatever that's called. Mike and Sully to the rescue and you see that facade and you're kind of like I could probably not go on that it's not that it it's just is this a California mission project is this just somebody put it together with the arts and crafts that they had in their in their trunk you know it's not it's not great but Disney spinners are great that I've experienced and that I've seen they just do such a good job with theming. And as I said, kinetic energy matters. As, as iconic as dark rides are, I'm here with the crazy upset. I'm moving spinners on just for what they do to a park's uh, ambiance. Kyle, that is wild. Uh -huh. <laughs> that is wild what you just did there. Yeah, uh, I and I had water slides over dark rides in round <laughs> one, and I had transport rides over dark rides in round two. But I don't think I have spinners over dark rides uh. in the final four here. And here's why. I want to get back to the bracket topic here. Best Disney parks attraction type. And to me... Disney as a company, 
their specialty is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And always has been, and it still is. Disney Parks, while I don't know that it was created with this idea in mind, what it has become is this entity that has a responsibility to push the envelope of themed amusement. And sure. with that comes pushing the technological boundaries to the absolute limit. Mm-hmm. And with dark rides, with every single dark ride that comes out, they've done something new. They've somehow one up themselves. And it's just so fun to see a ride like Mr. Toad or like Snow White rides that were engineered and conceived by men who had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> they consist of like painted backdrop sets yeah. and, and see how far that that type of amusement has come. I mean, that's just the story of Disney parks right there. And, and, and almost more impressively, the fact that those originals still stand and still amuse people in the same way. They still inspire writers to this day. So, um, the spinners are fun, and I agree with everything that you say about them, but they're, in essence, very basic theme park attractions and ones that exist all over the world. So I am advancing Dark Rides to the finals. We've got a tie break. Go to Marissa. This one's going to be tough. Um, I know that I've pushed Dark Ride this whole past episode and last week. But I also like spinners. Um, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, hmm. And especially because I'm not just thinking about just Disneyland. I'm thinking about the different parks around the world. Um, There's just so many dark rides that I'm like, do I really want to ride that? over and over and over again that was another struggle I've had in a couple different categories especially Omnimover where I was like eh, you know I went on under the sea way too many times with my niece she's made me ride that seven times in a row <laughs> one time and that is the only person I'll ever do that with everyone else is shunned um but when I think about the different times that I've had on dark rides, especially with um, the Fantasyland dark rides, I'm honestly traumatized by the Snow White ride. I will never. I haven't gone on that since. Oh. Well, they're changing the thinking. ending for you, so it's going to be mean, a lot better. Probably not. I <laughs> just no. The whole ride as as a whole, okay. I don't okay. like. Um, I've also been on a dark ride when it was broken down. Uh, that was Pinocchio. And that was the scene where the fairy's there and then there's the sheet. So the magic was ruined for me. Um, so that was fun. But there was also another spinner that I had just forgotten about. That they had just recently taken it out. Um, the King Triton's Carousel. That was probably one of my favorite things to do, especially since they had otters, and I'm a huge otter person. In California Adventure? Yeah. The one that Jesse's 
Critter, Critter growl. yeah. <laughs> King Tritons. I'm telling you, that was it. There's a teal, purple, and a regular otter. Chris I, is very confused. I, I pushed kids. I don't like where this is going. This is I bites. do not like where this is going. Chris is for bites. His face. <laughs> and you're going to use King Triton's carousel as justification <laughs> to do something no, that you I'm probably just, shouldn't do. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying I forgot to mention it. There is a concept that they talked about in the Imagineering story in episode six where she brings up the four to one concept. I don't know if you guys remember it. It's the four grandparents, the two parents and the one kid. Yeah. And I feel like dark rides don't follow that concept of pertaining to all audiences. Chris looks beyond right now. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> As much as I liked the limo ride over the Monsters, Inc. ride, um, I'm going to pick a spinner ride over that ride and the Fantasyland rides there. The Mr. Toad's ride is also just not it for me either. I went on it it recently and it's just, it doesn't do it for me. But Tea Party, Dumbo, Magic Carpet Ride... I'm choosing spinners over dark ride. <laughs> We're spinning. He's in a spinning chair. Eyes closed, just spinning. He gone. He gone. Uh, that that choice has officially ended this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll probably never be back because Chris won't recover from the fact that spinners just beat out dark rides. Listen, I love chaos, and and that was not chaos. That was. <laughs> just a poor decision making <laughs> do y'all know what you just did like like do you realize what you just did yeah we made the right decision all right next matchup <laughs> like disney announces a new attraction oh it's gonna be a spinner oh yeah yeah spinner yeah no no one does that nobody does that all right, all right. We're moving on the other side of the bracket. <laughs> Kyle, I think this one's you. I, I don't care. <laughs> it's not, but I'll take it. Uh, we're talking number two, Boat Ride, versus number three, Roller Coaster. Uh, it, it's tough because the marquee attractions in Disney, you know, parks across the world are boat rides and themed roller coasters, right? I mean, these are the ones that you run after to get fast passes for. You used to anyways. Now you just book them. But um, you, you think about boat rides like the Jungle Cruise and like Pirates and even boats on freaking Rivers of America, all the different iterations of Pirates. Marissa brought up the crazy one in Shanghai. It's... It's part of, I mean, it's just kind of like what you brought up with being so disappointed in Dark Rides not moving on. It's it's what people get excited for, right? It's these rides that are like, oh, 
oh, we got we get a water ride, we get a boat ride, like especially especially if they're dark rides, especially if they have to, they pertain to something that's not within the Disney IP, and you know, Pirates kind of falls into that, even though there's an entire you know saga of movies. I think that it's not shoehorned in kind of like uh, the Incredicoaster, for example, right? Like where they're, they're slapping the Incredibles on an existing coaster. Um, but the Incredicoaster is just the worst coaster out of the coasters in Disney parks, only because it was kind of this rush job. You don't think so? Uh, we got Barnstormers on here. We got uh, well, Gadget I... Go Coaster. We've got... Uh... Gadgets is fine. What else is yeah. on here? Uh, Primeval does... World, Goofy's Flight School. Don't talk any shit about Goofy's Flight School, boy. That <laughs> goes. What are you talking about? That goes. You're talking about a launched roller coaster versus a wild mouse that you can find at any county fair. Yeah. I mean, like I brought up, the launch roller coaster. Launch roller coaster is fine, but like it's not, I don't think is as hype as people make it out to be. To be honest, especially because you launch and then you have to slowly ascend the hill at the other end of it. It's like you you climax before the build happened. Are you talking about the hill immediately after the launch? Yeah. Okay. Well, then you go down a drop after that. I don't know. Anyways, uh, haven't been on Barnstormer, so can't speak to it. Goofy Sky School is great, and I will not take any bad mouthing about it. Gadgets does what gadgets is supposed to do. It's a, it's a coaster for little kids. Let it be. Don't hate on it too much. <laughs> okay, no, you can't Don't even say that with much. a straight face. <laughs> Don't hate on it too much. Better Don't than hate on it too much. Incredicoaster is fine. California Screaming was great. I loved it so much. Incredicoaster is the same exact thing, just with some IP slapped on it. It's not any worse off. It's just, it's not, if I lined up the coasters on a sheet it's not one that like i'm picking out as standing out to me because there are coasters like it like in santa cruz like on piers that i can also experience so when you talk about these mouse coasters like goofy's flight school you can ride roller coasters just like Incredicoaster everywhere else no you can't what are you talking yes, about? yes you can in what way the launch you is, can't ride Incredicoaster on the Santa Cruz boardwalk. You can ride a, the like same exact. Coaster. Yeah, it's the same exact system. There's, there's a steel roller coaster yeah, versus a wooden that, roller coaster. Those are completely steel, different systems. It's a what steel roller about? coaster that's supposed to be like a wooden roller coaster. It's designed right. after it. It's not a full wooden roller coaster, but it's when DCA was first built and that pier, it's based off of. Mm-hmm. The wooden roller coaster, but I mean, one's a steel really coaster and one's a wooden roller coaster. It's sure, okay, then then, then go ahead and take any other steel roller coaster at any other of the Six Flags parks and just throw it in with an Incredicoaster. It, you can ride an Incredicoaster type coaster anywhere else at any other amusement park. Anywhere else. So I can also ride the old mill ride at Kennywood. Yeah, it's a boat ride. Yeah, I can ride it anywhere else too. Yes, I don't know why you're getting stuck on the Incredicoaster as being the worst because there are so much more better 
roller coasters in the Disney Park catalog. I don't know what strung I, string I just hit with you, but you need to let off on the Incredicoaster because there's a lot better things we can talk about here. You think about the Matterhorn. You think about Big Thunder. You think about Everest. You think about the frozen like bobsled thing we're supposed to be getting in Hong Kong. Like, There's so many ways that they've taken the roller coaster model paired it with the kind of dark ride immersion and created these experiences that are unlike literally any other anything else that you could ever see i think that with boat rides it's the same kind of concept as dark rides just literally on water things are better on a boat i'll continue to say that um, but I think that the level up that they do with roller coasters in Disney parks is going to put it above boat rides for me. I, the biggest sigh of relief just like fell over me just now because you I gotta, thought you got to let me get through just saying that in credit coasters at the bottom of my list so I can get to the good stuff. You got stuck on the wrong part of the argument. I thought we were going to go Pirates of the Caribbean off the rail, just like completely on the shore, marooned on an island. Um, rock and roller coaster is terrible, and so is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Peril in Paris. There's also a crush roller coaster in Paris that is totally yes. Whack. Uh, well, it's not complete whack. It's like half. It's this, it's semi whack. It, okay, so he, here's the problem that I have with Crush's coaster ride. I felt like it's missing something. I feel like there. So basically, what it is, I don't know if you guys have looked it up or been on it, whatever. I went it, on it, but like I said, I was in a fever dream when I was there, so I don't remember it. it. You're you're in a shell with someone else, and you're spinning as you're on the track. So it's kind of like the uh, Sierra Sineswanner ride at Knott's Berry Farm. So yeah. as you're you yeah. say you're spinning as you're on the coaster, I just mm-hmm. feel like there's something about that ride that it didn't fully connect me there. Um, you're on the e- you're on the EAC, but it wasn't. I don't know. It was just something weird. That was the very first ride that I actually rode at Disneyland Paris, so it kind of set the tone. Um, it's one of the most popular rides there. When I first got there, um, I got like the pre thing, so you got to go in early. And when I first got there, I got a fast pass like immediately and then I got to go in within like 10 minutes or something but that line was already up to a little over an hour so it's a very popular ride there they also love finding Nemo in Paris is another thing that I found out I don't know why that's such a big hype movie for them um but I mean yeah I guess um but also, Tron, the fastest coaster that Disney has ever built, um, coming to Florida. I've been on it in Shanghai, but we could talk about that later. But So here's the thing that I'm kind of getting hung up on here. Last round, I said I'm really into like the idea of what Disney Imagineering pushing the technological boundaries of these attraction types and I'm having a hard time with roller coaster because they don't really push roller coaster technology to new levels 
they mostly just use ride systems and coaster types that have already been engineered and proven successful in other parks around the world. And they do what they do best, which is theme it and light it and maybe put some cool aesthetics on it. And that's really what they do better than anyone else. They don't necessarily like build a roller coaster better than anyone or engineer a roller coaster better than anyone. They just theme a roller coaster better than anyone. So, I mean, unless sure. you're talking about Incredicoaster and maybe not. No, but sure. They, I think using that system though, they, they can, when they build the roller coasters, they're building them in a way that is advantageous to them as well. So you think about like Space Mountain and knowing how that's built and paired with like the soundtrack and the ways that uh, the cars are supposed to be going with the music. And talk about innovation. You praised Space Mountain for its innovation in multi-train track technology. You know, like they're they're definitely advancing what roller coasters can do but they're also keeping them familiar enough so that people will want to ride and then adding the disney magic to it so even with you know uh everest with the the cars that go backwards you you can go on rides where trains go backwards and other amusement parks but it's never usually because the tracks are ended because this yeti took it out you know so they're kind of building off of using the system to also tell the story and i think that's part of innovation is you know what's come before you okay well how can i build upon that all right i think i'm going to go ahead and agree with you then i'm going to go with roller coaster to the finals here uh, because i think you could make the same argument about the boat ride Really, this is all just thanks to how good they are at dark rides. But but dark ride already lost. So let's talk finals. Kyle, we got our final matchup. It is the number three seed roller coasters versus the number thirteen seed spinners. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing um, that I like about roller coasters. I like that it taps into the adrenaline. And that is something that gets people excited, gets their heart rate up. It gives that feeling of like, I want to go again. Or, you know, maybe you've just let the, left the park and you're like, I want to go back again. You know, like, I want to feel that sensation one more time or an additional time. But, you know, honestly, spinners kind of do that too. When you start getting into the more intense ones, like your your teacups mm-hmm. and even maybe to an extent your tomaters. Yeah. But spinners just make me want to throw up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sure, spinners are probably more important to the history of Disneyland Park. I mean, they were there from from the inception. I mean, really, this is all about transportation rides, but we don't get that <laughs> and get into that again. Um, roller coaster is probably a, a later addition. The concept of the e-ticket was not developed originally there was no e-ticket and as they added more sophisticated rides the e-class was created and um, all of these roller coaster type rides fall into the e-ticket i mean and the e-ticket is what gets people to the park it's what gets people back into the park i mean none of these spinners are e-ticket attractions and it's all about the e man so i think when you factor in the 
effect that the coaster has on your body. You factor in the technological boundaries that Disney kind of pushes when it comes to roller coasters. I agree that spinners are meaningful and important rides in the ride roster, but I think roller coasters are just as important. You need those top-level thrills that are going to get your teenagers, your adults, your spazzy kids uh, really excited to, to come to Disney parks. So I, I'm going with roller coasters, I guess. I did not think I would when we started this whole adventure, but here we are. I think that um, people get sick on roller coasters too, you know? So I think that while spinners are definitely nauseating, roller coasters for sure have that same effect. Um, And there's often times that you see it when you come off the ride and people are very sick. Uh, It's this one's, kind of tough because i think that you know you think about disney parks and what 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 would walt want what did walt want and it was the whole like you know families experiencing things together and roller coasters weren't kind of seen as that because those were for the adrenaline junkies and and the the thrill seekers and it wasn't until the 70s when they figured that out and brought in big thunder right and so they knew though that they couldn't just throw a roller coaster and they needed it to be authentically Disney, which they're able to do this. I mean, it, it ha- Chris, it has to be roller coasters here. It just does only because it does give you kind of the best of all the things that Disney does well. And there's, I mean, I haven't been on the Tron light cycle, but that's definitely part dark ride. And, you know, it's, they're all thrill. There are definitely drops in them. Crushes, spins. There's there's a lot of dynamic to roller coasters that allows them to be a lot of things at once and fit in with the area that they're put in because that's so important to what Disney does. And we didn't even talk about rides, specifically dark rides, like Journey to the Center of the Earth and Disney Sea. That is like the most incredible dark ride roller coaster creation ever um that really is the culmination of all things that disney strives to be i'm with you it's roller coaster so before we go to marissa as we do at the end of every bracket we're gonna cough it out marissa your thoughts on how things ended here i honestly didn't think that roller coasters was gonna take it um you know, you guys talk about like the different roller coasters that Disney has and the different rides and thrill aspects. Um, also, FYI, to people who didn't know, Space Mountain at Disneyland Paris has a loop. Hyperspace, baby. Yep. So that's a fun fact for everyone. I said this to a friend like a couple weeks ago where I was like, you know, as much as I want to go to Disney, like, it's just so fun, like, talking about Disney with everyone that I have at least one conversation about Disney a day with someone. But on the other hand, I always go back to Tron. And hmm. as much as I like Pirates and Battle for the Sunken Treasure, the Tron that is coming over to Walt Disney World, I'm stoked for it. Um, 
I the one thing that I didn't like about Tron over at Shanghai, I thought it was too short. Um, I wanted more. And for the space that they had it in, it's kind of in the side of the park, so you kind of got to walk to it in their Tomorrowland. Um, I like that they built something other than Space Mountain because they were going to say, like, oh, yeah, like, let's just build Space Mountain. We know how much it's going to cost, what they're going to do to build it. But Tron pushed the boundary of, you know what, we're not going to do this. We're going to make it even better. So I'm excited for it to come over to the States so that people can enjoy it and shocked that roller coasters made it that far, but you know, shedding a light on some rides that people should ride. This is all your fault. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's our fault for advancing spinners over Trek of Stark rides in the very beginning, but you know what? To tell That's how the show works. That's how the bracket breaks down. Do you know what? We've got another member of the Mouse Madness Hall of Fame. Yes, we do. Well, Marissa, thank you so much for joining us on this crazy adventure. So, so thankful to have you. Thank you guys for bringing me back. Um, didn't think I was going to come back and talk about a bracket that had to do with one of my favorite topics. But, you know, here we are. Folks, you know how to get a hold of us. This one went wild. So if you have something to say about it, please send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. Please tweet us at mousemadnesspod. You can join our Facebook community or our Discord server, which are linked in the description of this podcast. Please go ahead and give us a little rating on iTunes. It really helps show out. And until next time, see you real soon. Oh,